Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Jim Rodriguez, Aaron Hawksworth with you. And joining us now is sports betting analyst Sean Little for MSG. You can also catch him on the No Catch-Up pod. And when he's not busy doing media, he's knocking down jumpers at the garden in traveling <laughs> around. I love the hat, Sean. Welcome back to the show. So great to catch up with you. Uh, the schedule came out for the NBA. I know we're going to look at some yeah. win totals, but first I want to ask you, what were some of your immediate takeaways from the schedule release last week? The schedule release for the NBA being a thing is actually really interesting. They're taking a page out of the NFL book and trying to become a 12-month type of league where everyone's locked in across the board. Tons of more summer league action being covered, all those storylines, even the NBA guys going out to, to Paris for Fashion Week is, is being covered a little bit more. It, it, it's about the, the, the NBA trying to make the schedule release a thing is more about just being more like the NFL, trying to be relevant 12 months out of the year. Because as we know, the, the NFL schedule release is a big deal because there's 17 games. It doesn't really do anything for me that they dropped the schedule to an 82-game season. It, it doesn't really do much for me, but I'm excited for the NBA to be back. And um, I'm looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's going to be one of my favorite teams to watch this year. They, uh, The Bulls actually, you know, I'm a Chicago guy. They, they open up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they're going to have a great year. But it's about trying to stay relevant, and the NBA is doing a good job. Now, taking a page from soccer, and, 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 you know, MLS had that League's Cup, which was wildly successful, obviously because of Messi's involvement and everything like that. The NBA is going to have an in-season tournament. And I guess I'd love to, to pick your brain. How do you bet that? I mean, it's part of the 82-game schedule, but it's not. Is that going to be more load management, guys? How do you how do you get your head around the in-season tournament? They don't even have a name for it. It's the in-season tournament. <laughs> they got to wait on the sponsor to come in and grab it. That's what they're waiting for, Jay. Right? <laughs> Once the sponsor comes in, it'll be it'll be <laughs> named. It. Insert the the brand tournament. So that that'll be coming soon. I'm sure. It'll be fun. I think the play-in tournament is a perfect example of when you give guys an opportunity, NBA guys, an opportunity to be competitive, when it comes down to it, they're trying to win and they, and they do are going are gonna to put that best foot forward. That's why we love the play-in so much because it, it creates a more competitive type of situation for guys that do want to get in the playoffs. Anytime, even when they added those Kobe rules in the NBA All-Star game, it became com- extremely competitive when you saw teams trying to get to a certain score to end up winning that, that quarter of that game. So it's all about up in the competition. And I think people may scoff at the in-season tournament now. It doesn't mean anything. But at the end of the day, once it comes down to it, there's going to be a trophy that, that is, is up for grabs. Guys are going to get in there and compete. So I'm going to treat it once, it once it comes around, just like I would treat anything else that, that's competitive. I think people are going to try to win these games. But the load management thing is interesting. But I think inaugurally, it'll be, it'll be a bigger, more important thing for teams like the Indiana Pacers, maybe even the Chicago Bulls, those middling teams that don't have a real chance to win the title will take the in-season tournament more seriously. So those would be the teams that I would want to back. At least that's my initial thought on it. Obviously, we have a, a plenty of games to check out teams before we get to the in-season tournament, but the, the middling teams that have a real chance to actually win some hardware is who I would be looking at initially. 
How do you spend your time now? Um, you know, training camp for NBA hasn't started yet. Do you start looking at win totals? Like, what is your process like betting-wise as you prepare for the NBA season? Yeah, I'm not a big futures guy overall. So, but I'm always keeping an eye on the market just to see how the, the numbers are fluctuating and prices are changing as we, we inch closer to the beginning of the season. So my, my whole thing on futures is the only time I really want to bet a future is if I think or believe this number is, I'm never going to see this number again. It's going to absolutely disappear. So that's kind of how I approached futures betting in general. But overall, it's just keeping an eye on the market because that kind of tells you what everyone's thinking about a team or a division. But I do, of course, I'm on BetQL daily, Aaron. You know I'm going to bring you guys a play that I do like. I'm really looking at <laughs> the Cleveland. You got to bring you gotta, you gotta You got to feed the people what they're actually looking for. So I do like the Cleveland Cavaliers over 49 and a half wins, depending on where you're looking at it. I've seen 50 and a half as well. This is a 50-plus win ballgame. Tons of motivation coming off of the playoff exit against the Knicks. They didn't play really well. They were favored in that series. They were supposed to take care of business. Donovan Mitchell, this is his first playoff appearance with the Cavaliers. They end up getting bounced by the Knicks. And a lot of people, including myself, believe they're overall a better team. But let's talk about what they did in the offseason. They added uh, Max Strews, another another shooter, another wing defender. That's going to be good. They ordered George Niang. He's going to be a, another knockdown shooter. They re-signed Levert. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen had bad playoff uh, series against the Knicks. They, they have a lot of motivation coming into the year. Darius Garland was an all-star two years ago. Second, uh, Donovan Mitchell's second year with the Cavs. There's a lot of motivation for these guys to come in and make some noise, especially in the regular season. That's, that's going to be the key for me. They're in the weakest division in the East and the Central. They got the Bucks, Bulls, Pacers, and Pistons. That's where they're going to play a bunch. Also, the, the key for me here is this reminds me of, like, the Bucks in, like, 1819. So in 1819, before the Bucks won the title, 60 wins, 56 wins, number one team in the East, took the regular season very seriously. When they won the title, they had 46 wins and were the third team in the East. So it's almost like, hey, we know we could win games in the regular season. That's what the Bucks were thinking. Let's let, let's make sure we're ready to and geared up to go into the playoffs and, and actually make a run for the title. I believe the Cavs are at that 2018-2019 Milwaukee Bucks stage where they're going to come in and try to get the number one, number two seed in the East. This is a 50-plus win team. I really like the Cavs coming into the year. John, without sounding too chalky, and I, and I, I'm going to say this very very you know in, in a low voice because I live in Miami. What about the Celtics? Five to one to win the to win the chip. I think they learned a lot last year. They've made some changes. Missoula's grown. Hopefully, as a coach, I kind of like Boston at five to one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's um, they're the most polarizing team in the NBA over the last couple seasons, right? They we we saw we know they have the talent. We have the the highest paid player in the NBA who's second fiddle on his own team. There's a lot of different dynamics going on in Boston. But guys, if I were to ask you what last year, what were the Boston Celtics missing? What did they need to get them over the hump? It definitely wasn't scoring. It's not talent. It's not defense. It's more edge, more heart, more grit. And then they go and get rid of the guy that brings all that to their team and Marcus Smart. And he has brought that over the years. So I'm interested to see 
how that it factor and, and that additional things that the team teams need to get over the top in the NBA factor in because they lost their heart and soul guy in Marcus Smart and then they didn't really add another one. They don't have that boisterous, boisterous, big personality guy that you, you tend to need at, in some spots in the playoffs. And say it or not, Marcus Smart was willing to get shots up in big spots. There's been times where Jason Tatum has not been willing to do that. There's been times where he has, but I've also seen Jason Tatum disappear in spots. Marcus Smart leaving is a, is a big, is a big question mark, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to hate on the Celtics. I, I, I wouldn't be mad at you if you plug that ticket in right now, J-Rod, just because they're so talented. Missoula's on another year of experience. They're going to be very good. Um, this is the, the this is one of the three or four teams in the NBA that are championship NBA finals or bust type. I was going to ask you about Joe Missoula. Like, if, if you needed Marcus Smart, does that say that maybe Joe Missoula is not doing a good enough job there because maybe you need some more of that leadership and to get maximize, you know, the heart and the grit from your players? Yeah, but I understand what you mean, Aaron, but it's also just a personality thing. Jason Tatum is not that type of guy. He's a smooth bucket getter, can play defense, one of the best wings in the NBA. Jalen Brown's not that edge, talk, talk, talk that talk type of guy. He, he's uh, an all-around guy as well. You know what I mean? There's, there's certain guys, yeah. you can look at teams, there's certain guys that they just bring edge. Jimmy Butler is the that Draymond guy. Green. He has that edge. He can talk. <laughs> Draymond Green is that guy. They're, they're, it's, it's a personality thing. Missoula doesn't have the – he can't bend minds and change how people act and respond it'd be interesting if, if Jason Tatum showed up and, and had a ton of more edge but that's just not really his personality so I'm interested to see how they fill that gap so let's let's stay on the Marcus Smart train here he goes to Memphis and I've been super critical of that organization I think Marcus Smart yeah. helps Memphis I think for as much as you, I believe in accountability and John Morant needs to be held accountable for his nonsense I think the organization has failed him as well uh, the ownership, the GM, the coach, the locker room. What can Marcus Smart help? And, and should we be fading Memphis this year? I don't know about fading Memphis. I think they're still going to be really good. And I think Ja will come back and he'll be ready to go similarly to how he came back and was ready to go after his eight-game suspension last year. Um, they lose Dylan Brooks and add Marcus Smart. They're, they're similar players. Marcus Smart's an overall better basketball player across the board, in my opinion. So I wouldn't be fading Memphis um, because I think they're still going to be really good. But the West is also really loaded. That's why a lot of the futures and things I'm looking at is on the East side. Like I really like Tyrese Maxey plus 1,200 most improved with what's going on with James Harden in that situation. Mm -hmm. Who knows if he's even going to be back there. He says he's not. He's flat out not playing for Daryl Morey-led teams, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. And he happened to just opt in to almost $40 million in Philadelphia. So what's going to happen there? I think Maxi has a really big opportunity to step up, make huge plays, and be that number two guy to Embiid and, and still run around with Tobias. And, and we'll see what happens with James. But plus 1,200 for Tyrese Maxey to come in most improved is also very interesting. So the NBA is, is always a lot of question marks. That's why I just, I'm not a big futures guy. I like to see yeah. teams play for a few weeks and then 
kind of go about the business. But I, I'm confident Tyrese Maxey's um, under Nick Nurse in Philadelphia, his responsibilities are only going to grow. So at plus 1,200, I, I do like that spot as well. A few minutes left. I want to make sure J-Rod gets his Premier League question in. But what about Rookie <laughs> of the Year? Who do you have? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on the Chet Holmgren bandwagon. I've seen plus 300, the number. I think Wemby, Wembanyama is right around like minus 120, minus 130, depending on where you're looking. My thing about Wembanyama is I could, I could see, see this clear as day, Aaron. He comes out, plays really well, something tweaks, and he sits for like 40 games. I, I, I don't see Wembanyama playing 82 games. I think they wow. end up the, – the, my worry if you're going to take Wembanyama at Rookie of the Year is that he's going to end up sitting out too many games. Similarly to Blake Griffin, who sat the full season. We know what Embiid did. All these – Chet Holmgren just did it. They're not going to mm-hmm. take any chances with Victor Wembanyama, right? So if there's a – if they – I mean, the Spurs aren't going to be very good in my opinion. So if it, even if it gets to 50-plus games in the year, I could see them shutting down Victor – and that's where that rookie of the year ticket gets very vulnerable. So if I was looking at rookie of the year and I wanted action there, I would look at Chet Holmgren. All right, before I let you go, Sean, I was on your Twitter X, whatever they call it these days, at Chicago Flow, <laughs> and you were dropping some soccer bets for Aston Villa over five and a half corners, and it hit. Now, I need all the help I can get with soccer. What is your strategy with corners? Because it hit, my friend. Yeah, corners. Um, I'm looking at over for corners when I believe a team needs a result. So I was looking at Aston Villa. It's going to be their home opener. It was their home opener on Saturday. Then they end up playing, or I think the game was Sunday. It was the home opener regardless. But the week before, they had just got smoked. They, were, they lost 4-1 to Brighton. They were going to be really in need of a result at home under Unai Emery, who has those guys towards the top half of the table last year. Aston Villa was a very solid squad last year. So I'm looking for teams that have a big motivation for results. Now, soccer and football, depending on what part of the world you're in, can be fickle when it comes to goal scoring. But when a team is on the front foot and looking to be aggressive, corners are going to get produced. That's when I want a, a team that needs a result. The ball may not end up in the back of the net, but more times than not, I believe the the corners market is where you can make some money on an over. Coming up this weekend, Chelsea versus Luton at home in London for Chelsea. I think they get a big result. That's that's going to be a spot where I'm looking at team total goals over for Chelsea. I'm looking at corners over. I think that's like a 3-1, 3-0 game for Chelsea coming up here. Hashtag tail. Awesome. For more of Sean Little's bets, check him out at Chicago Flow. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Up next, we break down today's MLB card right here on the BetQL Network.